Hello, everyone, and welcome to the PVC Show, brought to you by AdStage. I am Paul Wicker. I'm J.D. Brader. And these are your top headlines in marketing. And it's May 10th. And we got some good reviews on the podcast. Uh, what? Yeah. It's funny. We never look at reviews on iTunes. I didn't really know we were on iTunes because we just, you know, we're super cheap. We just put it on SoundCloud, RSS feed it, goes out to the world. And then, J.D., I think you pointed out we're on iTunes with 4.7 stars, like, no, 10 or 20 reviews so if you're listening and if you're on itunes give us a give us some five star come on um yeah what are you doing come on this is paul and jd here yeah this is marketing gold this is uh, five star banter and five stars for everyone except one person who is not happy with our <laughs> criticisms of donald trump and made it clear that we are alienating some viewers who are pro-trump so i guess i do do apologize if you feel alienated. I'm, we're not trying to make you feel alienated. We're just uh, making fun of him. So, uh, so yeah, there's that. Um, and then we just got a review today, uh, which I got a review in our Slack channel, not for the podcast, for one of our uh, customers, actually, whose name, uh, if you're listening, he, you have an amazing name, Harry Hawk. And you know him because you interviewed him or you went on his podcast about yeah. the future of advertising. And according to Harry, you guys predicted that uh, Amazon was going to roll out a retargeting pixel, and then they did, like six months later. So well done. Also, uh, he said he liked all the conversational banter. And I'm bringing this up because we often think, should we just not talk and just do the headlines? And then everyone's like, oh, we like the banter. And then JD, now that he's on like 48 podcasts, he's uh, somebody else told him just cut the banter and go to the headlines on his his Quora podcast. So, so there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I got I got I got some some nice tweets this week. <laughs> so for those listening, thank you for the helpful tweets. Um, you know, all constructive feedback is good, but sometimes it hurts my feelings. But that's OK to hurt my ego. It, it needs to be brought down uh, at times. And so thank you guys for all of your help with hosting and analytics and telling us to cut out the banter, and get to it on some of the other podcasts that I've been on. But uh, for this one. Paul and I will not. We love talking to each other. We are mid-banter <laughs> right now. And I will make fun of you. You want critical feedback. You just said the word broughten. I don't know where you got that word from. Broughten? But broughten. You've broughtened down. It must be an Oklahoma word. That's oh, that's true. Uh, last, ban- last piece of banter, then we'll talk headlines. Joe Martinez on Twitter. It, uh, no, it's not Joe Martinez. It's um, who's who needs a Mother's Day gift? Um, oh, I forgot Kurt. his name. Kirk, he lives in Montana, and he's like, oh, I need something for Mother's Day. It's like Amazon Prime. Have you heard of it? And his response was just, I live in Montana. <laughs> <laughs> and it had me cracking up. It was such a great, just simple response. I live in Montana. Um, I forget why I even brought that up. So we'll move Mother's on. Mother's Day. Mother's Day is Sunday. That's true. Make sure you buy any of the moms in your life something lovely and expensive, uh, or at least acknowledge them, or get the kids to scribble on a piece of paper and say it's uh, some artwork for mommy. That's right. Flowers. Yeah. It doesn't have to be expensive, Paul. It can come from the heart with a this, hug and a kiss, but they're probably going to want something expensive. Yeah. Consumer society. <laughs> no, the kids. So uh, he was asking for ideas because he only had two days left before Mother's Day. And apparently in Montana, Amazon takes four days, not two days for Prime. And uh, there was a lot of suggestions for get the kids, have them write, you know, things I love about mommy on a piece of paper draw some, you know, sunshines and rainbows, and that is a, a wonderful Mother's Day gift. So there's some advice for you before we talk headlines. Actually, uh, it, it bleeds pretty well into our consumerism with our very first article. 
true. Uh, so yeah, marketing dive. Uh, they they did well. They talked about a survey that came out from someone who Revjet, Revjet, uh, who groups people in two groups and then looks at their like digital behavior, how much people like pay attention to things like ads, how much they watch videos, and there were some interesting stats in here. I'll buzz through. But the thing I like most about this article is that the younger demographic is 18 to 44. So I'm going to be young for a while. So I'm happy about this survey. <laughs> 44, younger. Okay. Yeah. 18 um, to 44 and 45 plus. Right. So digital ad revenue is over $100 billion as of 2018. So they had uh, these this big milestone. So they did this research. And the two things I found interesting, um, so for Facebook ads, they say the increase in attention uh, actually went up. So people who are under 45 years old, the attention they gave to a Facebook ad in the newsfeed increased by almost 50% for that younger group, while the older group only increased 25%. So weirdly, the younger group is noticing Facebook ads more, and there's a million reasons why it could be that more videos are now in newsfeeds and, and young young people pay more attention to video. It could be the changes in the newsfeed appeal more to a younger demographic, and maybe the older crowd were the one who liked that kind of the older views. So I found that that really interesting. And then uh, less surprising, but uh, still interesting, is for YouTube ads, younger folks, 38% increase in uh, watching YouTube ads compared to 85% increase in the 45 and older. Makes sense. They were slower to get on YouTube, so there's a lot more folks over 44 getting on on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. I think what I took away from it, um, a couple of things, was uh, we don't like we don't like like uh, skipping or like we the video ads that are skippable. We love to skip them, right? And so when it comes to autoplay, like we kind of have to like watch those, but like we're like ready to move on. Um, so good and bad when you think of YouTube, you think about Facebook. But uh, going back to kind of what we're talking about with those expensive gifts for Mother's Day, consumerism is up big time. So 45 and older. Or you're buying 38% more online products compared to 2018 and then going into 9% increase in online purchases for those 18 to 44-year-olds in the same period. So consumerism's up. We've got money. We're going to spend it, and we like spending it uh, when we see those ads because we are compulsive and we're tired and we're right. just like, buy now. Those older folks found the Instagram buy button and found uh, some more e-commerce opportunities. And then for privacy, you know, mm. this was really interesting. 86% overall expressed concern about privacy, which is amazing because, you know, five years ago, if we asked about privacy, I think nobody would have cared. But given all the news in the last maybe two years, almost everybody now is concerned. And it's really that under 45 group that's getting more concerned. I think we were the ones to basically give all these big companies a free pass because we never really cared. People over the age of 45 who uh, probably were already more skeptical for technology, are also concerned, but they're actually becoming less concerned as a, uh, as a measure than they were last time they did the survey. So almost everybody cares about privacy, and the young people, us 45 and under, 44 and unders, are now paying more attention to, uh, to it. And then I'll caveat everything we just said, that there's a 1,000 people in this survey, so I never have, I don't know how indicative it is <laughs> of more broad trends. So also true. Then last one, last one. Sorry, this is my last one. I, yeah. I got to get one more in here. This comes down to ad creative. And I think this kind of plays into that digital privacy aspect. When I see the same ad 
floating around on different, maybe it's on Facebook, then I see it on Instagram, then I see it on Google, then I'm seeing it on Quora. You're using the same creative. I don't like that. And guess what? 90% of those that are 45 and older, they dislike it as well. So we actually, we don't like seeing the same ad or maybe the same copy, maybe the same image. So that puts a lot of pressure on us as marketers to not only make sure like where people are across different platforms, but also like different ad creatives across different platforms. And that, that gets tricky and that gets harder. But if you want to make sure that people are happy, that's what you're going to have to do and not feel negative towards your ad because 90% for 45 and older, 68% for 18 to 44 don't like it when advertisers do it. So and change of course, it up. There's a difference between people liking it and it being effective as well. So there's always, always that balance. I mean, watching the same YouTube video, like a video ad over and over and over again is horrible as a consumer, but man, it's effective. Like I remember those videos. I know all the lines for the video. As soon as it shows up, I'm like, oh, I know everything in this video. So there is that balance too of what people like versus what's effective and making sure you're you're somewhere nicely in the middle. You need effective ads, but you don't want to drive your potential consumers crazy. Um, so moving on, very tactical story. Uh, so if you're doing app promotion and um, you have an app in the Google Play Store, amazingly, a big part of the ranking algo for your app was uh, your rating. And your rating is based on your reviews. That's not amazing. That's pretty standard. What's amazing is they use your historical ratings from all time and just like add that all up, come up with an average. And that was um, providing a signal to Google on where they should rank your app, which is crazy because if you have a bunch of old five-year-old ratings, like they count just as much as a bunch of ratings from you know, the last year where maybe your product has changed dramatically. So Google is now changing this, and now the rating will be recalculated, and it will weight recent ratings much more heavily, and then you'll get a new rating in the Google Play Store sometime around August. August. Get ready for it. Just announced in that I.O. developer conference. And so, yeah, I think this one, I, I, I guess I just assumed that this was already the way it was. <laughs> and so when I was reading it, I just thought it was kind of interesting because we know that we have some app marketers that listen. We have some ASO, app search, app store optimization, right? So it's, it's kind of like the SEO for the uh, app store. And making sure that you're getting those rankings uh, that are freshest. So really that's what's going to matter most. So for all those listening and you have a Google uh, phone, make sure that you're giving us a nice score and a nice rating on the podcast. So that way we can make sure that we have an, uh, a really good rating. Yeah. You assume it applies to everything Google does, but it is a whole industry like app store rankings, obviously for like Apple and Android, it's like make or break for the businesses that are just downloadable apps or drive revenue through their apps. But everything, you know, we have a Slack app, there's a strategy for getting your Slack app noticed. We have a Google Sheets add-on. There's a strategy for getting your Google Sheets add-on ranked. Uh, and it's all the same stuff SEO used to do like 10 years ago. Where like, make sure you have all the right keywords. Like, put Facebook data in the description of the product because Facebook data is like a huge keyword. And try to do keyword analysis. And it really, it's super basic though because the analytics for all those app stores are not great. So you end up really doing it's like old seo keyword stuffing and it's uh, pretty funny and you like see where you show up and like watch it <laughs> it's it's like seo in the 90s um or in the aughts i guess maybe 90s is a little too old um 
So the the next story is the Social Media Examiner does the Social Media Marketing Industry Report every year. They put out their 2019 report. This has a few more than 1,000 people in their survey. They have 4,800 marketers. They've been running this for 11 years now. And the report itself, you don't even have to fill out a form like the our own benchmark report at AdStage. We make you fill out a form so we can market to you relentlessly. But uh, you can get it right from the link we'll have in our uh, newsletter and it's like 40 pages of, of pretty good stuff. Um, a ton to go through. I pulled out one fact that I found very interesting and is also very not very surprising that if you're doing B2B, 80% of marketers that did this survey are using LinkedIn as opposed to B2C, only 46%. Uh, I was surprised 80%. I mean, that's very high for LinkedIn. Uh, it was number two uh, behind Google. So um, really impressive for LinkedIn. And then they touched on a bunch of trends, which we've talked about over the year uh, on this show. So I don't know how much we have to go into them, but some of the major trends are the fact yeah. that Facebook's but, declining. Uh, no surprise, but uh, their market share amongst marketers dropped from 67% last year to 61% in 2019. And very few people said they're going to be uh, spending more on Facebook, uh, spending more time on Facebook organic. So a lot of people moving away from Facebook, uh, messenger bots, we're over messenger bots, apparently. So only 14%, which is actually down from 15% last year, are saying they're doing something with messenger bot, doing some messenger bot activity. So that is a trend. Uh, that was definitely one of those like fads that came and went. No one cares. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> did you read this thing? Is there anything else yeah. in there? Yeah, no, I think those were some big ones, you know, because we've been talking about diversifying away from Facebook for a while, but to actually see it in a report, and these are like a lot of actual community managers, you know, doing this report. This isn't like so much Facebook advertisers. I think most of you out there running Facebook ads, you're not really getting away from Facebook, Instagram, like you're probably putting more money into there for right now. But on the organic side, I think that's what's interesting. When Every time they make that algorithm change, people lose more faith in it because it just only decreases their their reach and when you have what i think they said seven million advertisers competing for that news feed plus your friends plus your parents plus your aunts you know and all the crazy quizzes out there plus publishers plus russia it's hard it's hard to compete right and so right <laughs> you like how i snuck that one in yeah plus oh, yeah. right and also <laughs> i read like at least a few pages of this report thinking it was for paid but it's all organic now uh, as i'm looking like oh yeah it's all organic. All, it's all, all organic. organic. No one cares about this. This is the PPC show, not the organic show. No one cares <laughs> what you folks are doing on the content side and those SEO folks, but uh, it makes well, more think, sense now. You know, well, I think the organic side, like they're, they're partnering with the paid. You know, uh, I think the content marketers are becoming paid marketers because they're now they're having to boost all of their efforts just to even get visibility. So I think they're they're Fair. paying. But on the organic side, you know, Instagram, Red Hot. No surprise there. I think we'll see them continue to stay hot. I, I give them at least two more years before we get tired of it. But engagement. Engagement's the most important thing that marketers are trying to figure out for the first time in the, the study's history in 11 years. How do we achieve better engagement? It's a top question. And really, that's how do you get the right customers viewing your stuff? And I think that's something that we're all trying to figure out, even with YouTube on the rise. Uh, I think some of this report, I feel like... Um, as I've learned with the cognitive bias around agenda setting theory, uh, this looks like 
agenda setting theory that we're all in on Instagram, we're all in on YouTube, Facebook's declining. If you look at all the news in 2018, that's pretty much the narrative that's been out there. Mm-hmm. And now we're just all agreeing with it. Well, uh, also with that question engagement, uh, I know you're making a bigger point, which is a very good one. I acknowledge <laughs> that. But when you said that, I was thinking, like, what what does engagement mean? They asked, you could, like, rank um, what is the thing that uh, marketers are using social media to do? Um, and, and, like, where is their interest? And that's where engagement was number one. And it outranked things like tactics, improving organic reach, customer acquisition, measurement, video. So it was kind of a um, a meta survey on top of the question to try to figure out what's like the thing that most marketers are trying to do with organic. So anyway, I was just a detail on engagement. And you're right, all these trends, I mean, and paid, the trends follow organic in some ways, because that's, you know, where the audience is. So it's no surprise that these trends are the same ones we do talk about in paid. Uh, yeah, I still I still am in agreement with you. I think LinkedIn was a big winner on this one. And I, surprisingly, again, I, I, I think Twitter is winning the organic engagement. People are still like brands are still really active on Twitter, even though they may not be getting the engagement. Because if you go look at a lot of brands, all they're doing is scheduling out tweets with links to their blogs. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why? Like, why are you spending time? Are you actually getting traffic? But I think it's just so uh, easy to do. Right. That friction is like non-existent. But I'm just wondering, are you actually getting results? Because anecdotally, this is just my my own view. Whenever I schedule out tweets, I notice that they get less engagement than when I'm in real time conversation with like Paul or with Kirk or with Joe Martinez. I, I really feel like Twitter is really wanting you to be in platform in a conversation rather than just linking to your, your buffer or your Hootsuite blog. Right. Yeah, there's probably a little both, I'd say, because I do. I just think of my personal usage of Twitter. Sometimes I go there to find stories or, you know, read. Basically, I'm in read mode. It's kind of like watching TV, the replacement for that. Twitter is a news feed to give me news. And then other times and then even then, like if there's people that I follow or are friends with or uh, have become friends from the PPC community, I like read their stuff, even though it's not news. So I kind of go in there with two brains, but usually I'm in there like, oh, what, you know, let me learn something about what happened today. And then I like see friends and I'm like, oh, let me just get into the middle of their business. (laughs) Kirk needs a gift for Mother's Day. (laughs) I I really think that's what they're incentivizing. I found myself yesterday doing the exact same thing. I was like, I'm just going to jump in on this, even though. Is that okay? Like, we, I feel like I need like new Twitter etiquette rules because of the way that they're shifting. <laughs> right. I've, there was a guy. So to that post that Kirk uh, wrote about um, ideas for Mother's Day, there's a guy who wrote, "Oh, you know, I got the kids, and we asked my wife, like, or we went to all our favorite fast food restaurants and got like one oh, yeah. thing from every fast food restaurants." And he ended the tweet with, "This is why I am fat." <laughs> And I, I was cracking up because, of course, everyone reading is kind of thinking like, oh, that's really cute that, you know, like one thing from everywhere. But, you know, know all that fast food is probably not good for you. And then he had a line that was, you know, a joke. Uh, but I don't know. And then I, I tweeted back like, I don't know you, but you're lying. I was really laughing at that. Uh, OK, Twitter. Uh, all right. So what do we have? Um, some digital video stats. So we have a lot of stats. Oh, I want to plug the Hennepin survey, too. We're talking yeah, about the stats and, and all this organic crap. Uh, you should plug it. You used to work at Hennepin. So what, what are they up to with their survey? Yeah, so um, 
they do this is their i think their third year on it and it's the state of paid social survey so go check it out if, if you're running paid social ads across any any ad channel uh go go take this survey because it's really beneficial to the industry and whenever you take it they'll actually give you access to the report before everyone else so there is like that they will give it back to you um, so you will get to see the final results probably in a month maybe six weeks or so so it closes next friday may 17th so you have one week to get in fill out that survey it should take you you know they say two minutes i think it took me like three uh but you know go in check it out it's just like what channels are you using? What channels are you finding success? What kind of ads are you using? You know, what kind are you finding success in? So it's pretty quick. What new channels will you be adding this year? Cora. That's right. What do Quora. you use for your Quora. What do you use for your reporting and Google Sheets data integration ad stage? Make sure you, you know, just put those even if it's not true, we don't care. Just put them in there. Remember, SEO. We need we need to SEO something and we need to have third-party references to ad stage and Cora. Thank you for participating. Um in all seriousness, just go fill out the survey. I read it every year. It's been really interesting the last few years. It saves me from doing a lot of research. Uh, and then Instagram announced, uh, well, they didn't announce anything. So another study on Instagram influencers. Turns out the, the long tail effect has now affected Instagram, where micro-influencers now represent more uh, sponsored content than kind of the, the big ones. So they call them micro-influencers. They have less than 10,000 followers as opposed to macro-influencers, which have 10 to 50K. And of course, celebrities who have millions or more. And now the uh, sponsored content produced by those folks, which it's gone up for everybody. In total, uh, it's been a growth of 150% in sponsored content on Instagram. Uh, but really, it's the micro-influencers who are now driving that trend, which is really interesting. Paul, without looking, how many Instagram influencers do you think this study is based on? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to say, well, how many there's... I mean, I mean, how many could there be? Right. right I was going to say, I don't know. There's, uh, it's nowhere in here do I remember. I'm going to guess there's probably like 150,000 influencers. So maybe There this, are 12 million Instagram influencers that this study is based on. 12 million. Oh, my goodness. What? What? Well, that's... 12 million? Really? You can just uh. use... All of the data. I think, is this the, not Social Cake. What's the name of the company that did this? Uh, social Bakers. Social Bakers. Well, you can see why I guess Social Cake. Yeah, so I guess Social Bakers are some social media <laughs> listening tool, and they just listen to every single Instagram post. Uh, and I know I they, they looked were... for things like how often people mention hashtag ad in their yeah. posts and stuff yeah. like that. Hashtag sponsored, hashtag ad. Yeah. Right. Um, but that's insane. 12 million. I mean, there's... Like, we've got to get this under control. Like, if you're a brand out there, like, come on, really? 12 million? Like, the fact that there were 300,000 influencers for the fashion industry? Come on. Come on. I, I just don't believe it. But, again, you've got all of these micro-influencers. But I, I think at the end of the day, I was just shocked with 12 million and the increase right now two weeks ago we talked about instagram launching a new ad unit for instagram uh influencers I, I i see why now when you have 12 million of them yeah give them their own ad unit right and i'm sure there's influencer platforms i remember twitter had a good one uh they bought it i can't remember the name of it but essentially you wanted someone on twitter who was an influencer uh, to ma who made silly videos and funny posts you can sign up for this program and Twitter would hook you up with some influencers. There's got to be like 10 platforms at this point. I had met a few founders of, of platforms like 
five or six years ago, and they like all went out of business. So I thought this was kind of like a dying strategy, but I'm I'm not right. Definitely, it is not a dying strategy. So I'm sure, if not, someone uh, should go build an influencer platform that works, especially on Instagram. Um, all right, last story. Maybe next last story. Uh, yeah, we got two. Another more. stat: IAB, Internet Advertising Bureau, Interactive Advertising mm-hmm. Bureau, I believe, uh, published some kind of stats. Not surprising that eighty percent of consumers that watch digital video, oh, maybe this is surprising, uh, are agreeable to ads in exchange for free content. So I, yeah, I changed this text because their headline just makes it sound like, oh yeah, they'll watch ads. But they literally ask them, are you kind of cool with getting ads so you can watch free video and 80% of people said yes so that gives me a little faith that people understand you got to pay for your content somehow that's right yeah and um, you know more to that one too like half of them said I actually prefer contextually you know relevant video ads and 37 said they were more receptive to um, ads that were targeted towards them so again you know we've been talking about privacy we've been talking about ads we've been talking about this really this relationship with users and advertising. So I I give you content, you look at this ad, you accept ads, right? And it seems like most people are understanding of that. I think where there's a disconnect is all of that data that they're collecting about you even before they show you the ad or maybe even after they show you the ad. So that's where I think the rubber will hit the road in the next kind of uh, year or two. But yeah, check it out. People are interested in ads. They're okay to watch them. And the last story is from TechCrunch. So Facebook, in honor of National Small Business Week, which apparently we are in the middle of, so happy Small Business Week. Happy Small Business Week. All right, for all you small business owners. AdStage is a small business. It's funny that when you say startup and founder, and especially around here in the Bay Area, people are like, you know, Silicon Valley. and uh, But, you know, we're a small business. And it's funny if you think of small business and a small business owner, it's like such a different mindset than like a startup and an entrepreneur but i digress banter (laughs) there's some banter um but it's it's national small business week and facebook announced a bunch of these kind of like automated things so as you know google bing facebook they've all tried ways to make it easy for small businesses to buy ads you can boost a post directly from facebook's you know newsfeed if you have If you go to your page and you have a a post that you like, you can boost it. And it's pretty simple. And we still have customers that boost posts from Facebook um, for years now. And, you know, it's a little, like, simple in some ways because you can't do a lot of tuning to the targeting and all that. But, hey, it's it's simple. You just go in there and set a budget and pick a few things and it runs. Well, now they have automated ads. So this is for a small business to kind of, like, do everything. You answer a few questions. They create an ad, they give you a budget recommendation, it predicts what you should get based on that budget, it runs on Instagram, Messenger, on the uh, audience network, you know, just kind of runs everywhere. And of course, they use the famous line that everyone uses since Ron Popeil demonstrated the, I believe it was a dehydrator, a food dehydrator, maybe it was a turkey rotisserie, but he, he said the term, set it and forget it. And forget it! Right. Oh, I should have, I should have had us do you that in it. unison. Yeah. Missed yeah. the opportunity. Um, Call and response. Call and response. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, set it and forget it. And now every time someone builds like an automated tool for SMBs, so like set it and forget it. Uh, well, they're going with that again. Uh, these things historically 
are crap and they build terrible campaigns. And then as an agency, you get somebody that's running one and you like can't move it over to Facebook ads. And it's like targeting people in Zimbabwe. And it's, you know, like uh, usually very bad. But we'll see if Facebook does a good job of this time. It also has some pretty deep integrations with messengers. So like people can book directly from the ads. Also, you can do some video editing right in the tool. So a lot of interesting features, and I really do hope it goes well. I do hope SMBs can just roll out ads super simple. Ooh, all right. I'll give you my take. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the – I think it's a slippery slope. And I think if I was the expert Facebook advertiser, I would be a little bit worried of this 12 months from now, 18 months from now, right? Is this something that they're going to roll out? to the whole like Facebook UI where they eventually just take control over everything, right? So I, like a couple of quotes, right? Is like, the main thing is we don't want there to be any guesswork. We don't want there to be expertise needed to use this product, right? Which is an interest, I agree, right? Of course, as a company, you're like, yeah, I don't want you to be an expert to have to run Facebook ads, but at the same time, you would need to be an expert to run Facebook ads, right? right? Um, and so I, I think it's gonna be, interesting I, I hope it works out but at the same time for all you facebook advertisers out there go check it out it's called automated ads it's what they're uh, ultimately setting up where you can get your budget and they're just taking information from your facebook page and from some of those answers and helping you build out an audience where you can just set up your budget here it is and then it runs across all of their network to hopefully drive you results without even having to do much after that so yeah I think that's where, where they've been headed for a while. So uh, now you don't have to get into the ads manager to do it. And it, we see this with every network over the years. They all want to build an automated tool that's simple to use. I mean, Google's tried like three Google, or four times. They yeah. just relaunched, I think, late last year, um, Google for Small Business or something like that, which is their, another version of Google Express, which are all these SMB products. And they always want it to be simple, but it's not. It's so complicated to run an effective marketing campaign on Google and Facebook. It is not simple. It is the opposite of simple. <laughs> Have you seen the AdWords interface? There's a reason they rebuild it every six months because there's more complexity, not less. So, But, but Paul, they, they call it smart ads. It means it must be smart and it must be easy. Well, I guess maybe not easy. Smart doesn't always equal easy, but <laughs> I just love their naming convention. We just call it smart. Yeah, I hope it works. I've been, like, literally, when I first got into paid in, like, 2006 or something like that, this was what everybody was saying was going to happen. And, like, you know, I work for a company that bought a platform that was supposed to be automating search ads for small businesses, and it's been, you know... 13 years and it's still and now google with their own data is trying so i do think it will happen this is part of that whole like evolution to you know machines and robots and uh, algorithms doing everything for us so they'll keep getting better and better and better until they can build things that market to us better than each other but today it is still an art and a science and it it is hard to automate art not impossible if you want to freak yourself out go google all the art and music now being composed and and made by machines and uh you know algo based design and it will like blow your mind that you can't tell the difference between a song made by a human and a song composed by uh an algorithm that just listens to every song in the history of mankind and is like oh yeah you guys are predictable then i do this and you're gonna like it and sure enough we like it but i'm super digressing super digressing one more point it's ad stage's seventh anniversary today Woo! I, yeah 
Woo! Seven years in honor of Small Business Week, I would just say you can make it. You know, 95% chance of a small business failing within the first five years. We have survived and thrived, my friends. So I think that's all the headlines we have and banter that we have this week. If you want more, you can always head over to blog.adstage.io, sign up for a newsletter, and, uh, and get all kinds of articles in your inbox every week. Until then, we will see you next week. See you next week.